0: See myself in the pistol smoke pool. I'm the kinda tree little homies wanna be like on my knees in the night Saying prayers in the street light. Uh-huh. They got uh-huh. me facing uh-huh. I yeah. can't live a normal life yeah. I was raised uh-huh. by the shit So girl, I gotta be damn with the hood too. Uh-huh. too much television watching Got me chasing dreams I'm an educated fool with money on my mind Got my tin in my hand and the dream in my eye. I'm a no-doubt gangster, set tripping, banker And my homies is down, so don't arouse my anger Fool, death ain't nothing but a heartbeat I'm living life through a die What can I say? I'm 23 now, but will I live to see 24? The way.
1: Welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good. This is your Thursday episode, and we have something to celebrate, folks, because it is the return of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Season 3, Episode 1. It just came on last night, and you're hearing this the next day. What did you guys think? Were you able to formulate your thoughts yet? Did you miss Mary Cosby? That's, you know, there's so many thoughts running through my mind is, 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 uh, I thought it was a great episode. I did not miss Mary Cosby. I'm not saying that I do not appreciate what Mary Cosby brought to Salt Lake City, but once Jen goes to jail, she can always come back. Hey-oh! <laughs> no, but seriously, Jen Shaw is going to jail. Uh, let's not make any bones about that. I uh, will Go into more of Jen Shaw's, you know, legal troubles as the season season continues, because I thought Salt Lake did something very, uh, very wise, is that they didn't hit you over the head with the Jen Shaw stuff in the first episode. I hope that was their purpose. It could be like last season where she gets off kind of easy again. Remember season two, my big complaint, because I've recapped this entire show so far, season one and season two. I think one of them might be entirely over on the Patreon. I'm not sure. Time means nothing, and my memory is shot. <laughs> Welcome to watching Bravo all the time. Um, no, uh... Season two, I always thought was ridiculous for Jen Shaw to do because she was facing such legal battles. We had already known Stu had uh, had flipped. Uh, all all of this stuff was coming down, and I was like, you know, is that the smartest thing we've seen? That it really didn't help Erica Jane. And then season two happened, and Salt Lake City is so nutty that Jen Shaw ended up looking good just by default, just by deep, just by kind of throwing in here and there i mean there are some horrific horrific moments from season two if you go back and think about it though there was the scene with jen shaw's mom where jen shaw's mom says i'm going to give you my million dollars of retirement money and you know to defend you because you say you're innocent and, and we believe you and now we know that that was just wasted money my god i mean do you ever think about the psychology of these people and it's not even housewives listen we all get ourselves into trouble at some point like uh we all do it's just that these are on cameras but the ego on these housewives which i hit that note time and time again in these podcasts it really is astounding because you know deep down she thought she was going to get away with it She thought she was going, she was so committed to the lie. And usually in this day and age, if you commit to the lie, you're generally going to be okay. Like we've really like truth doesn't mean a lot anymore. You can say anything. You can make up anything. And that's why I was always that's why that's what really gets me upset. If you if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you'll notice I get really upset when I see somebody that is just, you know, uniquely lying and not backing down from it because you can't really combat that. There has to be some basis of truth. There has to be some foundation of truth so we can actually believe the things that we're seeing, not only in these shows, but in life. And that's where I'm like, wow, we are just so off the path right now. Like, we, you know, we, you know, she's like, no, not guilty. Everybody else, no, I don't even know. I don't even know how they got my name, you know? And it was like, remember when we talked about. Was it the season one reunion with Andy where he was like, Jen, tell me, explain to me what you do. And Jen was like, well, Andy, it's really complicated. What I do is I take leads and I generate da 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 And I remember, I, I remember that. Like, I, it was like when I, when I used to think Tom Girardi made too much money for a lawyer. I was like, there's, I mean, lawyers do really good, but there's no way it's like that good. It's like, like Michael Jackson money good. Like, um, I love that he's my, <laughs> I love that he's my standard of rich person. MJ. Um, no, so Andy was describing this, and I remember going, wow, that doesn't make sense at all. But then I was so distracted with what Mary Cosby was doing over here, you know, that she was like, the head loony person that I didn't even didn't I was like, well, boring. And if you really think about what she told Andy on that reunion, it doesn't didn't make sense. You're like, wait, how do you make a lot of money? But I just didn't think about it because I was so busy thinking about Mary Cosby and her church and the audio of Mary Cosby uh, yelling at her parishioners for not getting her enough good birthday gifts. We, you know, we just, I was like, that to me was drawing focus. So where do criminals hide? Well, they usually hide in plain sight. And that is what Jen Shaw did. And listen, she killed. She she wanted to be on TV so bad, so much so that she knew she was running an illegal organization and doing illegal activities, yet was like, you know what would be cooler? If I went on TV. If, if we're, the world kind of knew me a little bit more. I That... It shows you the culture of celebrity, how intensely it is craved, how intensely we want that influencer culture. We want that. We want, we want, oh my God, the likes and the follows and oh, it must be intoxicating. I mean, hell, even the little that I've experienced of it, it can be intoxicating and it can be incredibly maddening and sad and all of those things wrapped up in one. But Jen has decided she'd rather be known and infamous which is, you know, the opposite of famous in some ways, than not known at all. And Jen, you will be known for a very long time. So uh, I guess I am pleased or, and also saddened to report that the episode one, we don't get any kind of moral kind of judgment. We don't, we're we're just telling this story and we're going to, we'll go through beat by beat. But it is, I love, I loved watching this. I've now watched it a couple of times. I loved watching it because, it's like, I always use the example of like, you know, the summer break and then you go back to school, you know, you're going into seventh grade and everybody's got new haircuts and they're wearing their back to school clothes. And you're like, oh my God, I, n- I remember that dude. Oh, look how big that person grew. And look how, you know, and you're thinking all these things and you're, you're going, oh yeah, when's the last time I saw this person? So I'm thinking back to the reunion. And then I totally spaced that Lisa Barlow was pretty much like, Meredith is a whore and it's fucked half of New York fucked half of new york i forgot that hot mic (laughs) moment where she didn't think she was being recorded and then she threw the mic and that little bit that scene from last season you guys comes back to haunt lisa barlow in the biggest way like ebenezer scrooge and the ghost of christmas has nothing on this clip they play this clip multiple times in this episode and it truly is interesting because Lisa Barlow, there's finally some kind of evidence or proof that Lisa Barlow is not perfect. And I like Lisa Barlow. I'm I'm Team Lisa, and it took me a while to get there, but I am Team Lisa. But I am Team Lisa because I also feel like the behavior of Meredith, especially in this episode, it was completely out of whack last season. But at the reunion, she said, yo, I've been dealing with other things even besides the death of my father, which I can't even begin to imagine. But she's, you know, I forgot about her stroke. She's stroke face and voice. She's like, Seth? Seth? Yes, very. It's very slurry. I mean, she's... You know, and Seth, you know, hey, I'm from Canton, Ohio. I've got a company there. I I, I work with 4,000 employees in Canton, Ohio. God, remember that scene when they were trying to work on their relationship? And he's like, I want you to come move with me to Canton, Ohio. <laughs> and Whitney and Justin, um, you know, the horniest, arguably the horniest couple on Bravo. We haven't seen passion like this since uh, Tamara and Eddie Judge. Um, You know, Justin, I want you to take me and make the woman out of me. I, I love, I, I am a huge Whitney fan. Like I really, really am. I like Whitney. She's been on the show, but I kind of dig her because you truly see how religion can mess people up. And she is fighting to break free from that. And that's why, just to remind you guys why I like Salt Lake, is because if you think of every Housewives show as having its own thing, like Beverly Hills is like the glitz and glamour. OC, there's kind of this weird politically charged... Uh, I don't know, not Stepford wife kind of quality, but it's, you know, and then you have, uh, I am in Atlanta and those ladies are all sharp and business ladies and trying to get their thing going. But I think the foundation of Salt Lake is based around religion. And not just the Mormon religion, even though that comes up a lot. But remember, we have Judaism in this. We have uh, Christianity in this, or we did with Mary Cosby. And I thought that was so interesting. So you have, you know, mini shots of the temple. You have, of course, my favorite. The choir is back. Oh, 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 oh. Like They do the normal housewife music of like, but then it'll be like, oh, 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 oh. that's my version of a chorus, <laughs> but it's always like, oh, 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 it makes everything so dramatic. If you put a Salt Lake City choir behind any scene, it is going to amp that scene up by a billion. Oh, oh, oh. You know, it's just so intense. And I love it. I love it. I love it. It almost, I love it almost as much as the music for selling the OC and selling Sunset. You know, they have lyrics to that music. But Salt Lake's like, no, no, no. We don't need lyrics. We can just have a group of 50 men and women going, oh, 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 oh. Uh, Oh, man, I miss these girls. So uh, let's just take a moment as a podcast family or a YouTube family or wherever you're listening or seeing this and say, hey, these are the good times right now, folks. The times before we get insanely sick of this show before we yell and scream and argue about who we like the best and who we like the least right now hear that it's just quiet enjoy that by the way should i do asmr like you could listen to this going to sleep right but then i go hot no um so this is the moment before I get tired of this show, before you get tired of this show, you know, I'm exhausted at this point with Beverly Hills, but this show, this show is fresh and shiny and new, and we've got to appreciate this moment, because once we get to that, like, episode three, it'll be like, ah, season stinks already, or damn, the season's on fire. Like, this is the exciting moment, you guys. This is the moment that we live for. This, like Rihanna says, is what you came for. So let us dive in with passion in our hearts. Season three, episode one. Now, this is entitled Revenge Marks the Spot. Now, Revenge Marks the Spot So usually that means to me, X marks the spot where the treasure is now, but they're like revenge. So somebody has got to get revenge on somebody. Now, my mind, when I first saw this title immediately goes to Jen Shaw, like, oh my God, Jen Shaw is going to try to kill Stu, uh, you know, one of the Shaw squad. And, uh, but no, no, it turns out this is about actually about Meredith and Lisa, Meredith and Lisa have the crux fight of this first episode. You think with somebody going to jail for like, you know, at least 10 years, the main storyline would be Jen Shaw, but no, not this show. We're still dealing with something from last season, and it's not Jen Shaw. It's Lisa calling Meredith a whore and that her kids are fake and all of this stuff, which is weird because that really truly is a legendary moment, but you then have to like face the facts that that legendary moment probably, I mean, definitely really hurt Meredith. And it hurt Meredith, and I think we all know because. There's tiny truths in that, and I know it, it It was just enough of an outbreak with enough things in it that made sense, even if they're completely false, that really do do damage. Um, so anyways, let's get into this. We open up the snowy hills of Salt Lake. The image flash on, flashes on screen. Salt Lake City. 2019. And I was like, holy shit, we're going back in time. 2019. I remember 2019. I think I was in my bed. And then uh, we hit an intense music. like, And remember, I am watching a copy that might have been edited at this point. So I might be doing scenes that don't make the show. So I'm not making them up. But it's just this is the copy I got from the Bravo people. So hopefully it's the same exact one. What if they cut Jen out entirely or they add, like, Jar Jar Binks in a CGI scene? Anyway, so we start with a green screen, and Jen is doing the clapper on a screen. Like, they do this clapper, you guys, on film to sync the sound in the film. I'm just going to keep clapping my hand. And it syncs things so the sound can sync with the image because they're recorded on two separate things usually. And we see Jen going, well, what I've done for the last 20 years is direct response marketing. And then we see another clip of her with her Gensha – I haven't busted this baby out in a while. Remember this? Gensha microphone. And she was like, I make millions. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see if this is uh, – I didn't power the – ooh. Oh, here. Oh, this Hey, hey. Hey. The Bluetooth device is really to tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh uh da bump. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm probably going to jail. I've taken money from elderly. But not only that, my family and friends. Coach Shaw is beaten down. But I'm gonna throw him a birthday party. And make my friends spend money on him, cause I have none. It's the ballad of Jen Shaw. The wigs aren't looking quite as good. The hair and the makeup and everything is falling apart. Cause my name's Jen Shizzy. Okay, that's not the best song, but that was just off the top of my head, you guys. Um, So she's saying, oh my god, I make millions. And she's like, I make money. I'm like the Wizard of Oz. So that was 2019 when this show first started. So we see Jen in her glory days bragging about this wealthy lifestyle that she's created for herself. And then we see Meredith in 2019 on the green screen. And she's like, Leisha and I met first at the first Sundance, and I was at And in Utah. Like, I know that um, Leisha wants the best for me, there's no ulterior motive. We cut to Lisa Barlow with a huge big gulp, and she's like, oh, my God, you're amazing. And I just felt like something about Meredith. She's like 100% Meredith all the time, super consistent and just a really great person. And then we cut to Whitney on a green screen. And she's like, Heather and I have been friends for years and cousins bloodline relatives and then Heather says about Whitney in a green screen she is the best human I know such a good friend to me never explodes on me critical or otherwise and I know she will listen and we can talk it out okay that's the opening then all of a sudden we still we see the snowy mountains salt lake city 2022 we see bright colors and then we uh (laughs) We see uh, Coach Shaw to Jen going. Our time is coming. I can't lie to you. This is a test for all of us. And then we get a shots of Jen Shaw going. I just want to kill myself and just not be here. And Jen Shaw's mom is like, Jen, not now. And then we hear violin music. Ding 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 ding. That's my, my violin fiddle. Ding, ding 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 ding. it's violin music. Whatever that sound is, it's and then we're outside the U.S. courthouse and we see uh, we see that Jen is arrested and we see Jen go everything was taken away from me everything screaming and crying not unlike the elderly people that she took everything away from and then <laughs> Meredith says I've never confided in you, Leisha because I never fully trusted you these are obviously scenes throughout this entire season and then Lisa says um you know, uh, is, you know, I was ranting about people like I normally do, Meredith. And Meredith's like, can you speak to your friend that way? Yeah, okay. And then Whitney says, you were my girl, Heather. And Heather says, and you made it all about you. And then we see another scene with Heather goes, show up for your people. And then Whitney says, you're saying our friendship is bullshit? That hurts me, Heather. And Heather shakes her head angrily. And then in a new scene, a new new scene, uh, a new scene, Heather goes, fuck you for calling me a fucking liar. And then Whitney's like, you called me a liar. And then Heather says, you lost me, bitch. You lost me. So there is trouble in paradise. Bad weather is potentially breaking up, only to be revived at Coachella in 2030 as a headlining set. But, um, then Heather in a green screen goes, what people don't know that lies beneath Salt Lake is the image of perfection. And then she's like, let me say that again, like she screwed up. And then we see a color test pattern. And then Heather in a green screen, and we hear one key of a piano. ding. And she goes, this is so unnerving. And the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City logo comes up. I do not know the taglines yet. You guys will have seen this, but I'm recording this on Tuesday. So we have shots of clouds, mountains, buildings, the church, the church bell, ding, ding, the choir. oh, And Whitney is in her house doing a sound bowl where they do the sound baths. wow, like, wow. and she sits down on the couch and she closes her eyes. And then we cut to Heather Gay and she's driving somewhere. Then we cut to Jen Shaw putting on her Joker makeup. Then we cut to Lisa and she has the huge thirst buster in her hand. And she's like, hey, John, I'm going to head out. Um, And John's like, how are you feeling about it? And she's like, I'll let you know when I'm done. Love you. And John's like, love you. And then we cut to Meredith on her phone in the car, and she's calling Truman, her assistant. And Meredith's like, I'm good. I'm on my way to meet someone, and I'll probably be unreachable for a few hours. How intense of a job does Meredith have that she has an assistant named Truman that she has to call on a van? Like, I'm going to have lunch. I would not be... Reachable, Truman. You know, a standing criminal who says you look cute. Sorry, she greets Jen Shaw, and then we see Heather walk into the other area, and uh, Lisa is there and hugs her, hugs Heather Gay. Like this is just, this is how far. Lisa Barlow has potentially fallen, that she has to now align with Heather Gay. Like, that's where she, she's on an island, you know? And then we cut to Meredith and Jen, and they're going to a steam pool. Uh, and it's like a hot tub. And Jen goes, it'll feel nice and warm. And Meredith in a talking head goes, if someone had asked me eight months ago, I would be hanging out with Jen. Shaw. Sure. I'd call you crazy. We had a flashback to one year earlier of that scene where Meredith's like, Did you make a comment referring to my son as a sissy bitch? And Jack Shaw, you know, just so used to lying, goes, No. And then Meredith is like, It's your fucking Twitter, Jen. It's your fucking Twitter. <laughs> Jen is so, so at ease with lying, you know? I could tell you, I could like you would tell Jen right now it's September, she's like, No, it ain't. It's November. Like, you know, that's like she's just comfortable. We cut to Meredith then a talking head in an all pink outfit. And she's like, ah, "It's just you know, like kind of like, ah, isn't life crazy? Then we cut to Jen Shaw and Jen Shaw goes, miracles do happen. Not in prison, baby. And a talking head. Uh, Meredith says, when Jen and I was in L.A. last summer, she had an understanding of everything I went through last summer. And it cut to the reunion, and I was dealing with more than just my father's death. Everything was amplified a million times over. And we see uh, we see the scene from the reunion where she talks about that and, and apologizes for certain aspects of her behavior. We see that scene at the reunion where Jen was like, Meredith— um, listen, I totally understand when I saw you. I mean, I wasn't myself a year ago either. And Meredith's like, thank you, Jen. Thank you. You know, It's like, never underestimate kissing somebody's ass at the right moment when they really need it to erase any kind of thing that they've actually done wrong in life. So we got to them in the hot tub and Jen goes, new year, new us. Cheers. And they have a bottle of wine and Jen says, uh, it's All just love from here on out. I'm like, is it? And Meredith goes, it's just a tough winter for both of us, you know? And Jen says, what do you feel now that Lisa went on her tirade? And then we get that nine nine months earlier uh, closed door scene where – Lisa goes, Meredith can go fuck herself. I'm I'm done with her. At least I don't fuck everyone and cheat on my husband, her and her dumb fucking family that poses. Brooks. And uh, Meredith says, it's your process that I'm dealing with, and it'll be for a while. And Jen says, I've been going through so much, and my trial starts in a month and a half. We get a shot of page six of like, Jen, on trial. And Meredith says, time's not on your side. Like, what? Okay, Meredith. Um, And then in classic Housewives fashion, she goes, you know, you you always got, no matter what they're talking about, you've got to introduce the next scene or the next event. So Jen's like, I'm trying to plan a birthday party for Coach to show him how much I love him. And so I was planning on inviting Lisa and John. Now we cut to Heather, which, by the way, I just have to imagine, and I'm hoping, even though I – really don't put anything past Jen Shaw that she's doing this coach party because the show needs like activities. Cause if not, this would be the year to like, just not do any party, maybe like a nice meal at Outback Steakhouse. Maybe, you know, just something simple, maybe order in, watch some Netflix, you know, like, yeah, let's not make a big deal of this one. You know, like if, if the whole thing is like, maybe next year I, I'll, I i will not be able to celebrate in person, then just have it be you and coach. Like, seriously, just you and him. Remember that moment, you know? Um, So Heather's like, uh, Lisa's like, how are things going? And she orders a Vita. She's like, I need a Vita tequila. Already, product placement, baby. Yeah, take that, Rena Rosé. Boom. Uh, And uh, by the way, Kathy Hilton you know, like, Lisa is allowed to say Vida tequila every third minute, and Kathy Hilton can't even fucking say Casa del Sol? Give me a break. And Heather goes, do I trust Lisa's alcohol taste? Implicitly. I'll take a Vida as well, she tells the waitress. And Heather says... In a talking head, Lisa needs me. She never said she needed me before. And we get a flashback to the reunion where Lisa goes, I never called you Shrek. I just never did. And Heather's like, You called me a Lego figurine. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm going to call, I'm going to always be real with you guys. I uh, You know my feelings about Heather Gay. She unfollowed me on Instagram, and I'm assuming it's because. Of making fun of Jen Shaw, which is – and by the way, even to this day, Heather Gay has put out a uh, a statement or, an, or like she did an interview this week where she was like, I still stand behind her 100 percent, which she first said on my podcast uh, like a year and a half, whenever that was. She said that on the podcast. I, it was shocked me in the moment and that was the thing that had made like, uh, like Daily Mail and all that. Like they used those pull quotes and – she is saying it all over again. Like literally Heather really is the friend you want. If you're a criminal, (laughs) if you're a criminal, Heather is going to understand Heather. There is no wrong in Heather's book. I mean, listen, it is kind of shocking at a certain point. I, and you just hope it's another thing. It's like these shows exist also. in like, hopefully what you don't see. And I, hopefully what I, we don't see is that Heather going like, yo, you fucked over a lot of elderly people. That shit is not cool. I do believe in forgiveness, but you know, it's like I just also feel like Jen is not. It, from what I've seen and heard, it doesn't feel like Jen is owed all of this. I mean, Jen Shaw was calling Heather nasty things too. Remember when Jen Shaw turned against Heather in that episode when they were all in the like uh, the, uh, the little iron bathtubs out in the desert? Like she's she's a very nasty woman. And so anyways, Heather, you got the real villain. You, me, I, I, you unfollowed me and, and it very, it hurt me, but listen, I'll call it as I see it this season. And so far you're, you're still very funny to me. Um, Heather goes, the fact that that Lisa is scraping the bottom of the barrel, I'm the last person she wants to call. And if I can do something of value for her, maybe she won't hate me as much, which is a very understandable, like, I, I understand that feeling, you know, just wanting not somebody to hate you as much. Like, they can hate you, but like, could you loosen it up a little bit? And they're like, Lisa's like, cheers to us. And Heather's like, never thought you would say that. And she goes, I need help with Meredith. I feel you can navigate things differently. I mean, you say what you're thinking and feeling, and you end up fine. And now I'm like the worst person on earth. And Heather's like, you've been banished, you know? If I were to ask you, what is the most important thing to Meredith? And Lisa goes, her family. And she's like, yeah, and you came for her family, Lisa. I didn't. I was in a blind rage. But you did, Heather says. And you have to make it right. The question is, um, the question that's going to be asked is, well, how do you really feel about Meredith? What do you think? Well, I think that's how you really feel about Meredith, what you said behind closed doors. No, 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 no. We cut to um, uh, Meredith saying, I'm still trying to figure out where... You know, in everything. I mean, she defamed my character. I mean, she said things that aren't true. My chef, my family doesn't post. <laughs> and we get another flashback of that moment where Lisa Barlow is like, "I hate her. She's fucked half of New York." And Meredith goes, "Where did this come from? You know these these rumors and just you know the I, I, it just I hear rumors every day about her." Meredith is all of a sudden saying, "I hear rumors about Lisa to Jen." So, Meredith's like, yo, you know what? You're going to say, I want to fucking bring up rumors about you. And Jen goes, about Lisa? You've heard rumors about Lisa? Yeah. And I never spread them. So, you know, if this is her projecting her own truth, you know, she decided to be an asshole because she's angry. So she's saying or introducing the idea that Lisa Barlow is projecting because she is the actual asshole. She is the cheater. It's her family that poses. She has fucked half of New York. Jen in the talking head goes, the shit Lisa Barlow said about her sister and best friend. I mean, what Meredith needs to do. I mean, it's just like, you know, what Meredith needs to do, Jen Shaw says, is like, she needs to monetize that. Like, make garbage trash whore t-shirts. And I was like, holy shit. Bravo should like, like, do not, let jen shaw advise you on any money-making opportunities meredith does not need to make anything right now jen no idea like no, what 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 meredith needs to do is make garbage trash whore t-shirts but also she does light up in this talking head, which shows you how much jen shaw thinks of herself in terms of a marketing genius unfortunately that marketing genius turned to criminal it's always easier to get money when you're doing it the illegal way, right? So, uh, uh, but also, Bravo, let's not have any Jen Shaw marketing ideas. Like, I wish this had been cut. Like, no, don't give us any ideas where money is exchanging hands at all, Jen. We're good. Um, hey, by the way, how, all that Shaw Squad merch, is that, is, did that increase in value or decrease in value? So anyway, as, uh, Jen goes, so what rumors are you hearing, Meredith? And Meredith pauses. Um, there have been question marks around her marriage, her business, and her finances. And in a talking head, Meredith, and she, I love when Meredith gets bored in a talking head. She's like, do I really want to dig into Lisa's stuff? No. I have no interest. But if you're going to talk about everyone else, fair game's on her at this point. But then she, she pauses, (laughs) she pauses, and she goes... Fair game. And then in the pool, she tells Jen, There are affair rumors. Yes, you know. I don't know if they're true or false. Very nonchalantly, like looking at oh, I don't know. I can't but by the way, you know, I don't know if they're true or false, which just kind of means like you could make that up on the spot. Meredith could just say, Oh my god. I just made, I just heard a rumor in my head and I trust myself. So I know I think correctly. So my thought that just popped in my head is that she cheats on her husband. So that's an actual thing. So that's, you know, the rumor, like what what is she, what she's saying is basically that rumors can come from anywhere. And I truly believe that Meredith in this aspect of things is full of shit. This is somebody just trying to sweep the leg, is trying to hurt somebody after they got hurt. That's it. That's what this all feels like. And that's why it's so funny when you actually have a real criminal right here we're going to be digging into. And instead, of we're on this bullshit fight because Meredith got her panties in a twist because she heard some, like, hard truths from a friend, which is really hard to hear. Jen says, that Lisa's having an affair? And then Lisa goes, yeah, I've heard the same thing. No, you haven't fucking this is what these 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 housewives align with each other they agree with shit that they know are lies because they're trying to be like i want to be in with you so i'm gonna agree with you it's like the same shit on beverly hills between rinna and erica jane you know um we cut back to heather and lisa and Heather's like, well, if you feel like what you said was justified, and Lisa's like, I don't. Let's be clear. And then Heather goes, you're in the position to say it was just a moment, and I'm gonna, ha- you're gonna have to eat shit for a long time. And I'm talking. Heather, Heather goes, I don't think humble pie is something Lisa likes to eat, or will ever eat, or pretend to enjoy eating. All three things need to happen to make up for it. And then Lisa goes, I've eaten so much humble pie. I'm surprised I still fit in this dress. We really went way too far with the humble humble pie analogy. I was like, "Okay, no, I no humble pie, I get it." No. Okay, we're going to keep going with that. Okay, okay. Um so Heather goes, "There needs to be give on both sides, but the bigger side needs to come from you cuz you said the mean things that are out there forever." For out there forever, Heather says. And Heather is right. I mean, truly. She said some awful things. It was in the heat of the moment. I know she did snap. I it's up for debate if she really did know she was mic'd or not. But when you are angry and when you have been poked, I mean that all, but also all the things she said are things that I've read things that like we've all joked about on Twitter and all of that shit, you know, oh, all of a sudden you're going to say Brooks Marks doesn't pose. You're going to say, are you going to say, everybody going to say that now? Everybody's like, Oh no, this is all made up. Like, come on. Lisa was in the wrong for saying it. And especially cause it was her friend. But some of the things, that's why it hurts so much. That's why Meredith is holding on to this so much. And Lisa says, I hear you. I hear you, Heather. A new scene. We have the choral music. Ah, We have birds, clouds, houses. And um, Whitney comes into the kitchen where her daughter, Bobby, is She's like, what's up, Mama Rose? What you doing? And the girl's like i just writing some pros and cons about guys. And Lisa's – I'm sorry. And and Whitney's like, what? Bobby. And she's like, I like <laughs> – Bobby goes, I like men. And Whitney goes, how old are you, Bobby Rose? And then we see the pros and cons and the pros are like athletic, good style with a big one. Is that what she said? It sounded like she said good style with – oh. I'm such a fucking idiot. I really did think she said "good style" with a big one, and now it occurs to me she said "good style" is a big one. And I was like, "Big one!" I was like, "This girl's in sixth grade. She's talking about big ones." I was like, "Damn!" Now Justin, the dad, comes in. He was like, "Hey, hey what are you? What are you? What are you women doing in here?" Hey, and then she's like, "You know." Your daughter is making a pros and cons for boys. And then he looks over. He's like, hey, I'm really worried. There aren't as many cons as pros on this list. Now, Heather Gay comes in. They hug. And Whitney's like, I need a rescue. I need you to tag in. And Heather's like, what are we working on? Like, obviously friendly with Whitney's daughter. And Heather's looking. He's like, hey, you're not going to get any cons from me about men. And then Heather's like, come on. Think about how you were in the sixth grade to Whitney. And Whitney goes... I didn't even have my first kiss until I was 15. And Bobby goes, that's too long, Mom. And Heather's like, but I still wanted it in the sixth grade. I did, you know. And I really like this conversation. These are the kind of fun conversations that I don't mind watching. Also, if you compare it to in the first season, there was that rumor that, you know, there was like, you know, orgies and shit, like, you know, which we never really fully got clear answers on, did we? And by the way, what, whatever happened to Whitney's dad? Like, I swear to God, we made fun of his hair and he just went away forever. And I, you know. It does have to be hard, you guys, to go on TV suddenly and the the feature of yourself that you consider unique, everybody immediately thinks it's a joke. You know, that does have to be hard because you've sat there and believed this thing of like, hey, my hair looks pretty fucking cool. Like, I got a lot of problems when I got this cool thing of hair on top of my head. And then everybody's like, fuck your hair. You look stupid. Like, that's got to really hurt somebody. I mean, honestly, I it, it did make me feel bad. And when he was on the show, I did ask about that. And like, you know, it's like I think it is still a very stressed out relationship between them. And obviously he's not been back on the show. And uh, I'm talking of Whitney goes, I wasn't interested in boys unless the Mormon handbook said I had to. Now her daughter, Bobby says, I just put like, I don't like if boys won't listen to me. And Heather says, well, you got to take that off your list. You don't want someone who does everything you want. And Heather says, you know, style doesn't matter because you can dress a guy. You can tell a guy how to dress. And, In a talking head, Heather goes, I just want to take this list and go, never going to get it, never going to get it, never going to get it, settle, settle, settle. And then she goes, not attractive, ugly sex, that's going to change your life, too. Um, So they're being very free. (laughs) In a talking head, uh, Heather goes, I want to be as hopeful as Bobby Rose when I make my list, Heather says. And Heather says, Okay. Justin's like, do you want a drink? And he's like, yeah, since I'm on Team Lisa Barlow lately, let's do a tequila. And we get a flashback. To Heather facetiming Whitney, and she's like, "I'm gonna go meet Lisa." And Whitney goes, "It's good to do that. We need to get over our shit." Now downstairs we go with Justin, Whitney, and Heather, and they show us a speakeasy, you guys. And it is, and listen, like I've told, I've said this so much recently. I love secret rooms. Like I like, I it's my dream, and like I, I podcasted with Annabelle DeSisto, which you'll hear next week. Um, we recap the movie The Ring for you know Spooky Season. And I said, I love speaker so your rooms. She's like, that's disgusting, don't I? And I'm like, no, like, they didn't do, like, it's like, like a tree house and stuff, like, like hidden passageways and stuff. Like, I thought that would be the coolest. So they have a bookshelf that locks at the top and then it can open up. And Whitney's like, the fact that we have a bar in our home is a big deal. And Heather says, yeah, I remember going over to my friends as a kid. And if their parents were drinking wine, I was like, OMG. And Whitney goes, you know, I was on my healing journey, and I've been working with Megan, an energy healer, and then we get a flashback of that energy healer, and she's like trying to resolve trauma earlier of earlier childhood. We're gonna clean out the old energy, helps you go out, and we see her like doing rolling motions like blah, 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 blah and then Whitney's like, "Can I hug you?" And then her and the energy healer hug as you do. We go back to the scene and Whitney goes, it really hit me one of the biggest wounds is the church. I came to the realization I'm ready to close that chapter and leave officially and ask them to remove me from the books. Because I guess the Mormon religion has like like a yellow pages, which kids, that used to be a phone book before the Internet where you would look up people's numbers. But the Mormon, they, they have records. They keep records on you. That is all your information. So God, when you get to heaven, if you're Mormon, God's like, let me check the old books. Which, by the way, do you think in heaven they've switched over to internet? Or do you think they still go with, like, book form? Like, oh, let's get out these dusty books, you know. Do you got the F's? No, I have the E's. You know, like, do they—I feel like I could save a lot of time. But I guess in heaven, all you have is time. Kind of like Jen in prison and pretty soon. Sorry. Heather says— If you ask them to remove your name from the records, I mean, what changes in your everyday life, Whitney? And Whitney goes, nothing changes. And Justin says, to know Whitney, the freedom that comes from the release is, you know, the thing. And Whitney says, I'm doing this for Bobby and Brooks so they don't fall into my cycle of limited beliefs, not feeling seen and not feeling heard. And Heather goes, Whitney, having your name on the record means they're still, you know, She'll, she's like, yes, they're still tracking me. They, she'll ask for money. They send people to check on me. Even if you move, your record transfers. This fucking record, man. And Whitney says the treatment of women are subordinate to men. I can do whatever I want because I'm a human. Now that's the only thing that the Mormon religion got right, because women are definitely subordinate to men. <laughs> what if, what if this is the episode we're like 400 episodes into this pod, and I'm like, well, that is something I actually believe with. I haven't really spoken a lot about it, but uh, women are subordinate, and I think we can all agree. <laughs> it's like I lose everything. <laughs> no, women are better than men. Um. So Heather says, so you're choosing outer darkness. And no communion with God over being bombard over being with, you know, the Mormon church. But think about that. So outer darkness is what, you know, it's a concept that the Mormons use where you are banished. It's called the outer darkness. You do not make it to one of the levels of heaven and you have no communion with God. And that really, I mean, just think about that. Think about if you truly, truly believe this. Think about the stuff you believe in, what you would really go to bat for. Um, And then think about at some point finding out that it rings false to you, but there's still that deep core belief because you've been raised like that. It would be so scary, wouldn't it? To be like, oh my God, I choose. Like if I'm wrong here, if I'm wrong, if I'm betting on the wrong horse, I got outer darkness. I've got no communion with God. That's serious stuff. And that's the weight I'm telling you that these shows have. Like, sometimes I don't even really give a fuck about the Meredith Lisa stuff. But that, to me, is fascinating. Because that person then is just living with this real issue that isn't just on this earth. That is just afterlife. Like, holy moly. Um, so I find that particularly fascinating. Now I think God, if God exists, you know, and I, I do believe there is some higher power, you know, I, I don't think there is like outer darkness and all of these things, you know, like anywho, <laughs> that's the other. Now I'm just going to get into a really deep religious discussion off the first episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Oh, oh, oh. So, um, so they they believe. Heather says that God records and, you know, you are putting a steel door up on heaven and the community forever. And so they're like, well, how can you remove yourself from the records? And Whitney goes, I can literally go to (laughs) quitmormon.com. I'm like, no fucking shit. There's a website literally called quitmormon.com, which, wait a sec. I'm actually going to quitmormon.com. Oh, no, I, sp- I I spelled Mormon more mom. I was like, wait a sec. Did they make that up just for the show? Quitmormon.com. Oh, no. And now I'm probably going to have trackers. Yeah, there really is quitmormon.com. And it says, ready to leave the Mormon church? Resigning from the Mormon church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints can be a tedious and painful process. If you decided that you no longer want to be a member of the church, resigning on your own can result in unwanted contact from church leaders. And Wow. Resigning on your own can result in unwanted contact from church leaders and multiple requests before your resignation is finally processed. We provide a free service that lets you resign without that hassle. Why does it? Why does this exist? It says, we are not attempting to influence anyone to leave the church. However, if you have decided that you want to resign, using Quit Mormon eliminates most or all unwanted contact and gets you resigned much quicker than resigning on your own how it works provide information about each person who wishes to resign and sign online using your computer tablet or phone our ad- automated system will guide you through the resignation process and submit your resignation to our church headquarters your privacy is maintained and all communication is sent back to uh, our office so this really genuinely is a real website quitmormon.com my gosh technology finally we're doing something here and heather goes i man i, w- I don't i, I don't I, I i don't think i could ever do this and when he's like i demand you move my name from records and it will take five days from this point and heather in a talking head says even with my dad gone I still want to be a good daughter. And even with my mom not speaking to me, I still want to be a good daughter. And I don't know my family would recover if they know I did that. If I you know, I've done a lot of shitty things towards Mormonism and hurt my family in so many ways, but I feel like that would be the final knife in their back, and I'm not there yet. And Heather is tearing up in this talking head. Once again, this is like real shit, man. By the way, Heather Gay's book comes out, I think pretty soon, called Bad Mormon which I don't know if I'm going to read because I'm still butthurt about the Instagram thing. Um, I would have promoted it on the show. Well, I guess I'm kind of promoting it on the show right now. But by the way, you know what? Can I, On this on this quitmormon.com, Can I just quit for Heather? Am I allowed to put Heather's information in there? I have her number. Like, I mean, what if I... <laughs> that's, just, that's fucking not right. I was joking. Um, and then Whitney prints out the letter. It's a big moment. Whitney takes the pin. She signs it and Justin goes... Okay, do you feel like there's anything there for you before, you know, you 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 send this back? And she's like Credit card. Now is my favorite part of the show where I get to talk about our sponsor this week. And once again, so bad it's good is sponsored by our friends over at Dame. Now, Dame, you can discover your pleasure with their thoughtfully engineered toys. It's discreet shipping, it's hassle free returns, and it's a whole lot of fun. You can shop for couples, or you can even shop for solo toys. Now, they have sent me. Um, they have sent me uh, both toys that I'll mention: the Ava and the Air. And they even uh, sent their, their their oil, their special oil that goes along with it. And uh, I have to tell you, uh, listen, I am not a female, obviously. But these reviews from females that you can read on their sites or even just look up Dame products are incredible. Also, they have been featured in Rolling Stone, Cosmopolitan, Women's Health, and Vice. Uh, this is a great company designed by women, run by women. Awesome. So... The first product I'm going to talk about is the Ava. It's a couple's product. So let's be honest. They always say sex is better when everyone is enjoying themselves. My God, I think that's true. That's why Dame Products designed Ava, the first hands-free vibrator for couples. You can boost pleasure and connection for all with a little toy that won't get in the way. Sharing pleasure during intimacy not only feels good in your body, but it can increase your emotional connection and decrease your stress levels so you can take those good feelings with you throughout your day. But in order to get there, even the most sexually motivated couples can benefit from a strategically placed buzz— Enter Dame Products. Dame Products designed its hand-free toy, Ava, specifically for couples. It nestles close to the body, and it stays put with just a finger so you and your partner can focus on intimacy. It's designed to enhance, not distract, from pleasure. Ava is your sex life's new best friend, so what are you waiting for? Try adding a toy into the mix and discover your new layers of pleasure you can share, plus sex you'll look forward to. Uh, And like I said, they sent me this and they sent me the the product Air, which is actually for solo use. I will say this, just the design itself, it looks kind of like a piece of art. Does that make sense? Like these designs are weirdly beautiful. It's like a sculpture of some sort. Um, But Dame, you can get 15% off your order of anything at Dame Products. So power up your pleasure with any of these toys that I talked about today or other toys from Dame products, go to Dameproducts.com and use so bad today for 15% off site-wide that's code so bad to take 15% off your first order at dameproducts.com. And by the way, I had the uh, the ladies from Pink Shade on this week, and they were talking about Dame as well. And it's full- <laughs> I was sitting here talking about other podcasters with Dame. And we were both saying, we're like, great company, great company. Uh, they are. They're a great company. Go check them out. And then he's like, thanks for being here, Heather. And Heather's like, hey, you are my ex- ex- exemplar. You are totally fierce, fearless. And they hug. And Heather's like, bring it in. I love the mush. So very sweet scene. New scene. Shot a mountain, deers, clouds. We see a moving train. And we are at Jen's new house, you guys. And she's like, on the FaceTime, she's like, hey, the fireplace. How do you turn it on? I'm going to put you on FaceTime, Okay. Um, Allie, the Allie, the home loaner is like, put it on pilot, push the red button. And Jen's like, I've been adjusting to the new house. I went from 9,000 square feet to half of that. And I went from the Barbie dream house to this closet one year earlier to like a normal closet. And we see a pic of Jen miserable in her new closet that is still bigger than my bedroom. And um, she's like, Coach Shaw was the voice of reason and sat me down and discussed this. And we get a flashback of Coach going, We can get a smaller, you know, spot, you know, we don't have to pay as much. And it's, you know, it's the most important thing is being able to fight for your freedom. And coach walks in just, he just looks beaten down by life, you know, or it could be the ass surgery he potentially lied about. Remember when the the feds were after Jen and she, she said on the reunion that coach had uh, something wrong with his ass. But then Andy never asked a follow up of like, "Can we see some receipts on that?" Like, this is the kind of shit that I'm like, "Yo, I would love some receipts on this." And uh, he's like, "What are you doing, Jen?" She's like, "I'm trying to light the fireplace," and he's like. Better just delete it, leave it. Just, you know, by the way, yeah, leave it. Jen, you've lit enough fires in your day. Just leave it. And a talking head, uh, Jen goes, along with downsizing the house, we had to downsize the Shaw squad. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my very best. Don't care. Honestly, don't care. I care about Coach Shaw. I care about your sons. Don't care if you're doing your very best. I really don't. I hope they're doing their best. Downsizing the house could give a rip. You should even be in a smaller house than you're in now. Like, I love it. Just downsizing the house still bigger. You know, like that's just like, okay, man, you really don't know what downsizing means. Also the Shaw squad, how to downsize the Shaw squad. Most of them are in jail. What do you mean? Downsize. They all plead. What are you talking about? And she goes, how was work today? Hon He's like long. Uh, Can I get a coffee or a tea? That would, that would be Nice. And Jen can't work the Keurig machine. And and she goes, this is Coach's 51st birthday. Angie said I could use her house. We went to high school. She's Heather's good friends. And she's friends with Lisa. And when she offered her house, I said, that would be perfect. And we get one week earlier, we're getting shown around. Angie, our character, one of our new characters here. uh, She's like, okay, we're going to have a piano player in the corner. And Jen says, I'm used to hosting these parties at my house. And she goes, but every penny is literally going to my defense, fighting my case. Every penny, including your family's pennies, you fucking asshole. I'm so like, that's just not cool, man. Tell your family you're lying. And I, you know what? That's what I hope. I hope that Jen was like, mom, I am going to fight this. I did it, but I'm going to fight it to try to stay out of jail. Like, I hope that kind of honesty was with the family, but I bet it wasn't. I have a feeling, but hopefully, because if not, man, that's whatever you think she did to us or those elderly people think about what she did to her poor mom and um she goes every you know so i'm you might not think so but i can operate on a budget you might not think so i don't even care gentel like by the wrong time to be on a budget you know this is what happened like the living large lifestyle gentel's coach um the uh, the party theme is going to be Harlem Nights because you love that movie. Remember Harlem Nights? It was an Eddie Murphy movie in the 80s, Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy. I don't I, – I think it was maybe when I was a really little kid. I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, Coach looks tired. He's like, OK, honey, OK. You know, Salt Lake City, Harlem. You know, <laughs> you know, Harlem. There's a lot of black folks. What are we gonna do? You know, import them in. And Jen's like, "Well, we're inviting frat brothers. Your frat brothers, the one, the ones that are here, uh, family. I invited Heather and Whitney. You know, and I'm planning on inviting Lisa and John because I know you would want John there. But Meredith is gonna be there, and he's like, Uh oh. What I don't want is to use the party as some platform as a party to confront something. You know, it's like, take that shit somewhere else. I'm like, coach, have you watched this show? That's the only reason we have parties is so these ladies can confront their issues. Like literally, this is why this is like poor coach is like, yo, man, go have a real birthday somewhere else. This is what I'm talking about, Jen. I know you're getting paid by this show. But listen, if Leva can back out of every scene on Southern Charm, why can't you be like, you know what, this year we're going to do it a little differently. I got to show my husband really how much he means to me. And that means I'm going to take away what I love. And that's being on camera. We're just going to do a nice family birthday party. But nope. And he goes, there's a lot of other things, you know, there's so much more important that's going on. You know, what I want to do is have a good time. We're getting closer to the trial date. And that is a lot to deal with. And Jen in a talking head goes, my trial date is March 27th. And we get a flashback to the arrest. And Jen goes, I'm the only defendant left still going to trial. I have no idea what is going on with the other defendants. I have no idea why the others have taken a plea deal. But I'm not going to take a plea deal when I'm not guilty and um she said w- w- what is she uh what th- what I wondered here was like what is she telling the other ladies do you think and we'll see that i guess in future episodes is that like does she at least leave room to like show like oh i didn't realize that was ge- i didn't realize I- that was illegal does she throw things out like what well, what i did do was because you can't argue that the money we saw her spend the money like we like we have a trail you think Stuart was like Megan, Jen, the, you know, he was like a sugar daddy and just buying her all these shit. Like, I, what's the logic here? And she goes, yeah, he says, we, we got to get to New York for a free trial meeting. Plus, we got to go over a million documents we have to analyze. And Jen says, I'm not scared for myself. I'm scared for my family. I can't imagine being away from them. Jen, I hate to break this to you. That means you are scared for yourself. You're once again thinking about yourself. She continues, it would literally kill me. Yes, it will probably literally kill you in certain ways. I believe the Genshaw does love her family. I do. I, I, I a hundred percent. But like I'm not scared for myself, I'm scared for my family. You are scared for yourself. You literally at this point need to think entirely about your family. So, and hopefully that's what led to the the guilty plea. We cut to coach saying, you know, we need to talk to people about their participation in this. You know, we got a lot of things we have to get ready for. We cut to choral music. Oh, oh, oh. mountain snow. We're now at Meredith's house. This is a cutesy scene with her and Seth. And Meredith's like, why did you get ramen noodles? Are we college students who buy ramen noodles? And uh, he's like, are you kidding for a guy who can't keep a job? This is what we eat. So immediately we're still on the Lisa the Lisa stuff, you know, because he said that Seth couldn't hold down a job. So this whole scene is a cutesy scene where they bought a bunch of junk food. Because if you look at what's on the table, they talk about the ramen, but there's like peanut butter and jelly, just shit that like college kids eat. She, I think he has like a six pack of beer. So this is like that's like Vera. We we see what you're doing, guys. She laughs like ha. ha, ha, ha. And we get a flashback to Lisa Barlow going, you can't own a house because your husband changes jobs every five seconds. And they are in a new house. And he says, where do you want to trench down? Where do you want to trench down, Meredith? Meredith. And she's like, "I'm having fun, you know. It's we have an empty nest, and she goes. Seth is working remotely, and the kids are out, so I'm just enjoying. it. It's like we can go wherever we want, we can do whatever we want, and no matter what Lisa says, we can own multiple houses if we wanted to. In my mind, no, <laughs> no, I love. It. And we see photos of them on vacations, a lot of luxurious spots, and." Meredith goes, the only reason I care about this commentary with Lisa is she could hurt you and your career, but you have 4,000 employees and, you know, her negative comments can affect their livelihood and it's pretty self-centered. What does John Barlow do for a living besides follow Lisa around, Meredith says. But I love this because all of a sudden I'm like, wait, what the fuck is, wait, is Seth all of a sudden Elon Musk? Who wait? Seth is in charge of four thousand employees. Is this correct? Is this an exaggerate? Like four thousand employees? That's a lot of employees. Like, is it? Are they, are they ants? Is this like what an ant colony? What four thousand employees? I feel like, nah. I don't. Eh, like, I, I need to look more into that. Can somebody look into uh, Seth's new job? We get a montage of John being bossed around by Lisa Barlow. And she's like, John is the best. I wouldn't do that for him when he's like carrying things through the snow. And Seth goes, actually, I totally understand John Barlow. What can I do for you now? And he's following around Meredith in a joking dad fashion. Flashback, John telling um, Coach going like, you know, me and Lisa, we own everything together. And then we see a talking head with John where the producer goes, did Lisa prep you for this interview? And he's like, I can neither confirm nor deny. And Meredith goes, you know, is he responsible for 4,000 employees? I don't think so. And then she goes, I hear their distillery that they say they own in Mexico. You know, I hear, you know, we've never seen that. And they want to know about our money. But I've seen SEC documents that their company isn't making money. That's a fact. In a talking head, she goes, it's legal public documents. Anyone can read Barlow's crowdfunding for business. 2018, reporting losses, outstanding debt. You know, it just raises question marks. It just does. It raises question marks. And she's questioning our relationship and our affairs, sleeping with people. Yet rumors are flying all around about Licia Barlow. So this is ridiculous on many fronts because... This is another thing about business you guys remember most businesses don't make money for a bunch of years that's why you do have investors because you are trying to crowdfund the money you're trying to lessen your damage um so a lot of places don't make money to, you know and Meredith does know that but yeah this is true her money uh her, her company uh yeah didn't they they did report losses in 2018. Um, Lisa in, or Meredith in a talking head goes, you know, she tries to show this life about perfection, but if everything I hear is true, her life, isn't that great. And also in a talking head, this is great. This is when it's Meredith goes, I've never exchanged sex for money. That is what a whore does. It's maybe someone else, maybe something else. I don't know. I love that now Meredith has not only introduced that there is a possible cheating that Lisa cheats on her husband, but now it's even more than that. Lisa Barlow is sleeping with people for money. That is the rumor that Meredith has just put out there. Classic. This is classic housewives. And Meredith goes, I don't know. And she has an, I love New York coffee mug. She's like, I don't know. It's true. And Seth goes, have you reached out to her? And he's like, why would I reach out to her, Seth? I'm not reaching out to her to ask her to apologize to me. That doesn't work. It's very sad someone has to throw away 10 years of friendship because of skeletons in their own closet. I know this actually sounds like a little bit of my Lisa Rena voice, but really, in reality, I can only do like four voices. I, I, it's a pro. It's an ongoing. It's an ongoing learning experience. The show. We cut to Whitney's house. The stylist is putting her boobs in her dress, and uh, she's like, "Should I wear pasties?" And this guy's like, "I probably would." Then we cut to Jen Shaw getting her hair done, like a fancy bead on her hair. Once again, don't need to do this. No, no, no. Then we cut to Seth changing. He's like. What is this? What is, is, it, is it Brooklyn Nights? Is that the... And I was like, it's Harlem. Really, Seth? Then we cut to Angie's house. The food is out. There's a piano player playing. The cake looks great, Angie says. And then there's a neon sign that gets lit up. So it says, let's get this party starting on the perp walk. I mean, the 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 step and repeat where people take their pictures. And people start arriving. We hear ragtime music. <laughs> Whitney comes in and hugs Angie. Angie, this looks beautiful. Heather Gay comes in. Justin is not there because he's working at an event. And Whitney goes, I've known Angie since I moved to Utah 10 years. No, sorry. Heather does <laughs> Heather says, I've known Angie since I moved to Utah. I was 10 years old. I remember in high school, she would like pull up in a Lamborghini and, you know, at the 10-year reunion, the rest of us, you know, the rest of us kids were in outfits from Old Navy. And she was definitely the coolest girl at the 10-year reunion. Listen, Heather, it kills me you don't like me anymore because I love Old Navy. Like that kill like We have so much in common. Meredith and Whitney are hugging. um, And Heather says, kissing cousins, the buzzing cousins. Uh, About Whitney and Heather, Lisa, Barlow and John walk up and you can tell Lisa's nervous. She's like, sounds like there's fun happening. I love that. You know, when you overdo it, when you're like, I'm so happy to be here, but, you know, she is scared shitless. Um, And she's like, I don't know what I'm walking into tonight. Seeing Seth and Meredith will be awkward. If roles were reversed, I would be open to hearing the apology. I wouldn't throw it away. You know, I wouldn't throw away a 10-year friendship over one bad moment. And Heather tells Lisa... Glitz, glam, and gl- gangster as she comes in. Cheers. We cut to Coach Shaw getting out of this fancy-ass white old car once again. Money that didn't need to be spent. Um, and he's like, "Oh yeah, okay. This is what it's supposed to look like. All right." And remember, we've had dastardly birthdays for Coach Shaw. The first season. Remember the when he thought he just the man just wanted to go to Popeyes for dinner popeye's chicken for dinner he was like oh are we going to popeyes and then jen shaw in her jen shaw fashion threw a drink made a fucking embarrassment out of herself the kids were there which then reminded me like the kids aren't here i was like wondering if it was like you know what no why don't you hang back uh kids we, we you let just in case mom acts out tonight um we see jen shaw posing in front of the neon sign by herself and Shaw goes, too much, too much. And under his breath, he's like, that's why she's going to jail. <laughs> okay. Uh, they all clap for Jen and Coach as they walk in. And Lisa says, I should have wore sequins. I'm the only one not sparkly. She's just wearing a black dress. Jen and the talking head goes, this party looks absolutely beautiful. Now, if I hosted this at my home, it would have been a little different. You know, it's hard for me still to let go. And she's dressed in this all green dress. I don't know, whatever. Lisa hugs Jen and she goes, I'm here for you if you need anything to coach. Uh, there's a lot of gambling. You notice there's always gambling because gambling's illegal in Utah. But at these parties, there's all these gambling tables. It's like the big activity. It was like, yeah, let's gamble. We cut to Meredith and Seth walking in. And uh, we hear Lisa going, "Vita's doing a hard seltzer right now. It's crazy. Lisa sees Meredith. And Lisa says, you mind getting me a drink, baby? I need a tequila. Something with Vita. And John, like, wanders off. We see Meredith awkwardly sip champagne. And we see Coach Shaw talking to Heather. And he's like, okay, your oldest baby. She's she's in college in Santa, Santa Barbara. Is she doing good? And Heather's like, straight A's. And he's like, mom, mom, mom. And high fives her. I will say, this, this is the thing. Like, Coach Shaw might have been a part of this whole thing. But Coach Shaw... Sometimes that's what men have going for us is we can be a hair more charming than women. We can be complete assholes. But then we can have moments like this where it's like Jen Shaw when, you know, she tries to be soft. She can't. But Coach, you know, at least in my opinion, can be soft and it works like, oh, mom, mom, mom. That's amazing. You know, I was like, oh, that's a really nice moment. Um, So then we meet one of Coach's friends, Big Baby. And not Big Daddy, who we met uh, when they tried to hook her, hook uh, Big Daddy up with Heather Gay on that blind date. And Heather says to Coach, "That might be my man." And Coach says, "Do you know who that is? Glenn Davis." And Seth is talking to Glenn Davis. He's like, "I love your game." And Heather says, "That's Glenn Davis from the Celtics." You guys, I don't play sports. I you could have told me this guy was a superhero. I've been like, okay. And uh, he's six foot eight. You guys. And Heather goes, e- this is an upgrade from Big Daddy to Big Baby. It's like going to a from a Shirley Temple to a Pina Colada. Ooh, there's so much sugar in a Pina Colada. They are delicious, though. But I would say Shirley Temple to a vodka straight like or to a martini. You know, like class it up. We get a flashback to that big uh, daddy date gone wrong where Big Daddy, you know, he committed the ultimate sin ordering a cranberry with O.J. instead of a drink. And everybody was like... Um, Heather poses for a pic with Big Baby. Um, and a lady asked Meredith, did you put shimmer on your tatas? And she's like, yes, I did. Yeah. Angie is talking to Lisa and she's like, I haven't even had a housewarming party yet. So this is really nice. Heather now is talking to Meredith and Seth's behind Meredith. And Heather goes, it's a good night. I'm just saying I met with Lisa um, and I haven't had the chance to talk about it, but I don't want to burden tonight for you, you know, but to, to, to be here, it shows real maturity to Meredith. And Meredith goes, I think it's not a big deal. And Heather goes, I think it's a huge deal. That's another reason why I like Heather. She kind of like calls it like she sees it. And Meredith's like, if anyone's crying in a corner at home, it's not me. I did nothing wrong. I certainly didn't fuck half of New York. <laughs> By the way, did you hear the uh, rumor about Lisa Barlow? She likes to take it in all the holes. <laughs> you know. so, it's, it's fucking Lisa. Okay, and then talking about. Um, Heather says, I love that Meredith is a woman of principle, but Mormon Proverbs, um, says to whom much is given, much is expected. 10 years of friendship, you owe a path to forgiveness, which I thought was a really interesting comment. And Seth says, it's brave of you to be here. (laughs) And Heather says, you can also walk around, you know, you have that option, you know? And, uh, Lisa is just staring at them. We cut to people gambling. Uh, we see Coach's mom, Joy, spelled J-O-I. She looks amazing. I was like, damn, they look the same age. And Joy's like, go, boy, do your thing. And Coach is like, let's get you something to sip on. Come on. And um, – Angie's like, okay, we need Jen to make a speech. We need a toast for the birthday boy. And Jen's like, coach doesn't like celebrating his birthday uh, much, but I'm on a TV show and I need money. So this year was a very, it's, it's very special. It's important for me to show you how much I love and appreciate you coach. I know we've been through a lot and um, because everything we've been going through, it means more than ever to have people that I know Love me and my family here. And everybody's like, we love you, Dan. We love you, Dan. You know, it's family and friends. And she's like, to everyone who has been there, thank you for being there. And to wish Coach a happy birthday because we we can still be together to celebrate and Angie and Sean, thank you for opening up your home. By the way, Sean fucking looks like ripped. He's in like a button up with like suspenders and a hat. I was like, Jesus, God, like this dude is ripped. A coach in a talking head goes, thinking a life uh, without my wife brings me to tears. You know, with my wife not by my side, it's uh, hard to stomach. And he's almost in tears, but he's like, tears of joy, yeah, let's—no. And Coach makes a wish, blows out the candle. Jen still remains there, so the wish didn't come true. Coach does a fancy dance. By the way, Coach can move. He's like, yeah, ooh, ooh. The cake's being cut. Seth hugs John, Lisa's husband, and goes, good to see you, man. And John's like, are you in town long? He's like, just this week. And John's like, well, if you can break away, let me know. And it's like, awkward. And Seth goes, "Hey, whatever our wives are going through, that's." And John's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's their relationship. You know, I'm not accountable for Meredith's behavior, and I know you aren't for Lisa's. And I have to believe that because I know it's like that for me." And John is like, "For sure, for for sure, that's it for sure. I like your tie." John just like a deer in headlights and Seth go thank you man you look sharp too. We cut the dancing coach and Jen and some random kid dancing. Um, everyone is getting into the dancing, da-da-da. Heather and Whitney and Big Baby are together, and they're smoking uh, by the the gambling table. And she's like, I was told not to inhale to the Big Baby. Lisa comes out with uh, a card to gamble. It's very awkward. She's like, how are you guys doing? And Lisa goes, oh, my gosh. I'm doing good, you guys. And Heather's like, are you going to say something to Meredith yourself? And she's like, I just don't think it's the right time. And Heather says, it's not about that. You know, you know, we can save that for later. And Lisa says, especially what Jenna's going through. And I know it's going to get harder. I think that's the part that cracks Lisa up the most is that like, oh, my God, I'm dealing with somebody that's going to jail and I'm the villain, you know. And when he says that, oh, we just really need to be there for her. Oh, I have an idea. I was thinking, why don't we take a quick trip here before she goes to New York and let's go somewhere warm sunshine. Let's go to Scottsdale. And she's like, I'll take care of all the details. And Whitney goes, I'm all in on this girl's trip. And she bets everything and loses. And she's like, oh, no, there's no hope for this girl's trip. We cut to Joy, uh, his coach's mom, and we we see Big Baby go, oh, Stella got a groove back. Uh, Lisa comes over and hugs Meredith all of a sudden. Hey, I just wanted to say hi. In a talking head, Meredith's like, okay, um... At some point, I want to talk to you, not tonight. In a talking head, Meredith goes, You've had too much to reach out and tell me you want to talk to me. I just love you, and I'm really, really sorry. And Meredith goes, That's fine. We can talk at some point. Okay, Lisa says. Meredith looks down like she's just done. And with this conversation. So Lisa picks up that cue, moves on. She goes... Hey Seth, how are you? Can I hug you? Is that okay? You don't have to. Which is just... What a string of awkward words put together. They awkwardly hug. And Heather goes, oh, my God, that's huge. Look at that from across the room. And Seth goes, it was crazy. I still don't understand it. Meredith was devastated by what you said. I know. I know. And it was hard on me. Yeah, I know. You made some comments about me. I couldn't believe either. I don't feel that way. And she goes, I don't feel that way, Seth, about Meredith. I don't feel that way about you. I don't. like. I don't. And Meredith is just staring. We cut to, well, commercial. and Then we come back. Moonlight, corall- oh! And Seth's like, I can't even believe that you said those things. She's like, Seth, I can't even believe I said those things. And Jen Shaw goes, Seth is talking to Lisa right now, to Meredith. And Meredith goes, whatever. And Seth says, we were so surprised by this. You know, that wasn't the Lisa we know. It's so hurtful. I know. I hope you can understand. I haven't been able to sleep. And it's been like it's been exhausting and John says it's going to be okay, but it doesn't feel like it. And it's like, why is this happening? Or Meredith goes, why is this happening to Jen? I mean, you know, God, she could have texted me. I mean, like now she's talking to Seth, like apologize to Seth, apologize to my children. And Jen says, she hasn't said anything. Right. And. Meredith's like, why are you attacking me right now? Why are you trying to celebrate with my husband? And. She's talking to Seth and she's like, literally, Seth, I had a blind rant. And Seth's like, well, do you know what the root of that was? And she's like, it never happened before that trip. I don't think those things. I don't think those things. But now on the van ride down, they were all like, "Uh, Meredith is not your friend. She is not your friend. And Lisa goes, does that make sense? And he goes, none of it makes sense to get where you got to hear something like that from someone we love. He goes, Seth, I know. I don't even remember. I did feel hurt. I understand Meredith was hurting, but I was hurting too. I'm not making excuses. I was coming from a place of hurt. Seth says, it was just so hateful. It wasn't hate. I was hurt. We see John look over (laughs) and then he just freezes. He he, like, doesn't even head over. He's like, I'll stay here. <laughs> then Lisa continues, I'm one of five girls, Seth. I'm a girl's girl. Um, I have four sisters I was responsible for. I have my stuff going on with me that I never talk about, that no one asks me about, and I try to do for others. And Seth just looks like, what the fuck? I've never talked badly about Meredith to anyone. Not one person in this friend group can say that. And Seth goes, well, the rant was kind of bad. I was in a private space. That was not meant for anyone to hear. I don't expect you to forgive me. Um, You know, and he goes, she's hurt more than me. And rightfully so. It's just hard right now. But I guess we just got to keep moving forward. Thanks for listening to me, Seth. And then in a talking head, Lisa goes, do I have a problem saying I'm sorry? Not at all. Do I have a problem taking accountability for my words? Not at all. But at some point, if I'm not being heard and an apology is not accepted, there's nothing I can do. I have to move on. <laughs> so Lisa, I tried my best. And Lisa asked, John, can we leave? We cut to Seth going up to Meredith and Jan. She's like, I she's like I wasn't ready for it. Oh my god. And Meredith's like why did you even do that? And she goes, goes, well the bad news is Lisa seems to uh to not to be excusing it and not taking accountability for it and uh it's not an apology when uh you're you're not ex- when you're excusing your own behavior, you know? And they're like, yeah. And Lisa and John walk out. You can tell Lisa's upset next time on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And we have uh, Jen Shaw saying, oh, coach, I'm going to have a garbage, trash, whore, lingerie party. GTW. And coach is like, not good. That's what got us into prison, you know? And then we see Arizona in the winter. We see Meredith going, "Uh, do you feel like saying hey to Lisa? Or like somebody asked Meredith, Meredith, do you feel like saying hey to Lisa? And she's like, no. And then Whitney and Lisa... Uh, they're like, do you feel like they could have a conversation? Then we see Whitney telling Heather that Lisa, Lisa is having affairs, I hear. And then they, um, Whitney says, "There's a shaman coming." There's a shaman coming, but she recommended not drinking. Then we see Meredith and Lisa finally talking, and Meredith goes, "I used to feel it was a safe space with you," and uh, she's like, "I, uh, <laughs> sorry." No, that's wrong. Lisa Barlow goes, You used to feel that I was a safe space for you. And Meredith goes, You're not a safe space for me. I'm not going to lie. Boom. Next episode, you guys. Wow. We did it. A new episode. I love this. I hope you guys love this. I hope you want me to keep recapping this because, frankly, I'm going to. Um, so uh, I hope you have a great Thursday, and I will see you tomorrow for uh, Beverly Hills Friday. Realizes of Beverly Hills. Pray to God that they say that next week will be the last episode of Beverly Hills. It's time. I need it over. Okay, you guys. Bye.
0: Betches.